Today we're going to be talking about improving your composition and some travel photography mixed in there as well. This is Behind the Shot. Hi, welcome to Behind the Shot. I'm Steve Brazel, your host. This is the show where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots from conception to completion, all the stories and challenges that happen in between, uh, as with every episode of this show. The show notes and the photo that we're talking about are available for you to read and see over at the website. It's behindtheshot.tv. Of course, you can subscribe to this podcast in two different formats, audio only, or there is a video format as well, and you can do either of those wherever you get your podcast, whatever podcast catcher app you prefer. It can even be Spotify or Amazon Music or any of those type things as well. If you are watching on YouTube, please make sure you go down and click the subscribe button and click the bell and choose all. And by the way, if you do like what you're seeing, Give us a thumbs up as well. I'm super excited about today because this person has been on the show before. Uh, I don't even know how to introduce this person other than to say the man, the myth, the legend that is our returning champion, Florida-based photographer, educator, Mr. Scott Kelby. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that, Steve. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is I was rehearsing that last night because I'm thinking I've got to mess with Scott somehow because I haven't seen you in over a year. And the only thing I could think of was that it's all I got. So <laughs> how you been, my friend? It's lovely. I've been uh, I've been OK, considering the uh, we're living through a pandemic. Uh, not, not so bad, I guess. Yeah, when 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 you put it in that kind of perspective, it's like, oh, well, pandemic, other stuff doing okay. Uh, yeah. You'll notice everybody, like he always does, Scott is wearing a music-related shirt. Which one is it this time? Oh, Fender it's Custom, Fender Shop, Custom Shop. By the way, yeah, yeah. Fender Custom Shop is 20 minutes from me in Corona, California. And so I decided to do the same type of a thing, wear a music shirt as well. This there is a band. Go. This is my son's band, Pocket Hole. So go check out Pocket Hole while I'm at it. I might as well give my kids some plug. Uh, Scott, oh, yeah. we got to talk about you a little bit. And I'm going to start uh -oh. the same place I did the first time that you were on the show. We did a show years ago on one yeah. of your fashion shots uh, that Calibra was actually involved in in that shot. Yeah. But your website, still to this day, I went and looked at it again, amazes me. You are the owner of the best about page on the planet. <laughs> well, thank you. I No one really ever mentions my about page, so thank you. I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. I mean... On your about page, you list your favorite hamburger places, your favorite movies, your favorite TV shows, and I couldn't stop reading it. You know where I got the idea? So I got the idea many years ago, that, that about page. I do update it on a regular basis, but it's probably been like that for 15 years. There was an ad campaign for some vodka. I don't remember what it was, but you know, I'm on a plane. I'm reading that. You know, this is how long ago this was, Steve. I was reading a magazine on a plane it was the right. delta in-flight magazine so this was a long time ago so sky magazine and in there was an ad and they had like you know some guy that drinks this vodka or some celebrity or whatever and and they asked him these questions and i'm like man that it really i felt like you kind of get to know something about this person it wasn't just the standard stuff it wasn't like what do you do and where do you live hollywood you know but it was like more interesting i thought i ought to do something like that now it was just one ad so it only had maybe eight questions and i thought oh, it's a blog i can but, but i can but add as many questions as i want it really does 
it, it colors your vision of the photographer because it does help you understand who they are a little bit, which let's be honest, that colors our art, right? Mm -hmm. What we think, sure. the movies we like, the TVs we like, the burgers we like probably a little the bit burgers. less, but it's interesting. By the way, okay, I got to say this right now while I'm thinking about it. You recently did a blog post out of nowhere, dude, on the best chicken sandwich. <laughs> And hey, photographers eat chicken sandwiches, Steve. We we do. I have not had a bunch of them, and I'm now going. Okay, I got to go to Popeyes and oh, get yeah. a chicken. I've been there. I have not been to Popeyes, Steve, since yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I drove by one coming home from an air show, and I'm like, oh, that's right there, right off the interstate, easy access. Chicken sandwich so with thick pickles. So so there is good. There is one thing we have to get on your about page. It's going to be my okay. life goal now to get you, if you have not seen it, to like Ted Lasso, uh, Lasso and put Ted Lasso on your about page. Ted Lasso is one of my all-time favorite shows. It was that, the best thing to come out of last year. That yes, absolutely. I'm telling you what. So my so you know you you know how you have like a pod of people that are safe mm -hmm. that you see. Yep. All right, we have a very small pod. You know, it's my brother. And his girlfriend, my son and his girlfriend, you know, my wife and myself are kids. That's it. We don't see anybody else. But every Saturday night, my brother and his girlfriend come over. And when we were watching Ted Lasso, it was just the greatest time. And that show would be over. We'd all look at each other. And when that we got to the end of the season, we were almost in tears. We were just yeah, like, it, I, I can't, this can't end. This is what's holding us together. And what amazed me was, this is going down a rat hole that I love, though. Uh, what amazed me is Sudeikis is amazing in this show. I mean, literally, it, it's one of the most most intricate acting performances ever. The, the line that he kind of skirts between, is he really that aloof or is he literally a genius? And then the cast that they surround him with is just amazing. Um, it is. By the way, people heard the dogs. We'll have fun with the dogs today. Maybe we'll get them on camera. Uh, but Scott does have 938 dogs. so A lot of dogs. Yeah, there's that. I want to talk about your photography. You, you, are, you remind me of Rick Salmon. I was actually talking to Rick about you the other day. You remind me of Rick Salmon in that you're one of those rare people. And, and I'm not saying this as a fault to others. Okay. But it's very difficult for most people to succeed at and be good at multiple genres of photography because each genre does take its own kind of mindset, understanding the subject matter. But you have portfolios on fashion and beauty, which is what we discussed on the first show. People, travel, sports, automotive, wedding, architecture. You've got books on many of those things. That's not easy to do to succeed in those many you know, different in that many different genres. I think that partially comes from what you do for a living running. You're the president and CEO of Kelby one. Is it just, is it just that you're around it all the time? Is that why you can switch hats as it were and see the different genres? Well, uh, you're also looking at like a, a long time of photography. So I don't do all those genres very often. Uh, so what it is, is at this point, I always have like, what am, what do I consider myself like today? If you said, Scott, what, what kind of photographer you are? So well, I threw, shoot three genres and they're all related. So I, I photograph people, I photograph sports and I photograph travel. 
So basically you could say, so you photograph people. <laughs> yeah. So it's people running with a ball. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's people it's racing the human the car. Form. But that's right. not totally true, though, because you it wasn't that long ago you had your interiors book come out, which is, you know, you yeah. traveled around Europe photographing the interiors of literally some of the most beautiful buildings that you will ever witness. Uh, and so it's not always people, but that's true. But in some ways, I think, I mean, doesn't shooting people in some way color architecture in a way? I mean, there are there are lines, there are softnesses or hardnesses, just like in a chiseled face or not. Oh, yeah. And and I, I use a lot of the same techniques for shooting a cathedral that you shoot for architecture or anything else, you know, so the the. Uh, that the, the book, The Great Indoors, grew actually out of uh, travel. It's just travel photography. It's just right. what happened, Steve, was one day I'm looking through my stuff and I realized I have so many opera houses, libraries, cathedrals, uh, palaces. I just had so many of them. I'm like, I should gather these all together. And there were hundreds of them uh, from all my travels. And then once I realized, geez, I must, I must really like this stuff, then I started to go, I need to make sure that when I go to a town, I search for libraries, I search for opera houses, I search for theaters, I search for hotels, you know, I'm looking for that, that uh, classic uh, architecture stuff. But it was weird because I never, I wouldn't think of myself as an architectural photographer because all of those shots are not, they're done in a travel photography style and not an architectural style, which well, is I mean, why. Well, no, go ahead. Which is why what? Well, I get some heat from photographers. So let's say that if I were to go today and post on my Facebook page. Here is the interior of this great cathedral in England. It, you could count the seconds before somebody goes in there and says, Scott, your verticals, your, your walls are leaning back. Right. You're supposed to straighten them and all. And I'm like, I'm not an architectural photographer. So I like the fact that I got down low. It's very, very low to the ground. And that the place looks sweeping and big and epic. It is not architecturally correct, but it, I think it is artistically correct. Like I, right. like, it's not like I put it up there and went, oh my gosh, I never fixed those, those walls. <laughs> what, right. what the heck? No, I intentionally, I love that look because it looks big and epic and vast. And I have this one shot, Steve, of, of uh, it's a children's hospital in London. And it it looks like this big giant thing. It's it's four pews deep. It literally it is maybe twenty five or thirty feet in the whole depth of the chapel. But by using a super wide fourteen millimeter lens, getting down low and aiming big, it looks huge. It looks giant. But it, it's so it's it, a lot of it is it's it's an it's a creative and artistic look at architecture. So it's not, I don't, I don't, I don't call myself an architectural photographer because I'm like, no, I'm that other guy. And then I also do this thing that's is very popular in architectural photography, which is to do a super long exposure, make the image sky go black. And then you have little bits of light that are all that light, the photography. And right. I, I teach a class on this. It's all, it's all, well, it's not all post-processing. It's a lot of post-processing because you can take a regular old shot and make it look like night, but it, it's not supposed to be night. It's weird. It's, it's a particular, it's a whole genre, but I would never say to one of the people that are really good at that. Oh yeah. I'm an architectural photographer. 
I'm a travel photographer and this is like a subgenre. Well, and I, I, I literally just finished a workshop and the last day of the workshop, I said something, something similar to the attendees, which was quite often in photography or for that matter, any kind of artistic creative sense, it's the destination and output that you're going for. It's the end use model that dictates yeah. what it is. If your end use model was the cover of architecture today, then yes. If your end use model was shooting uh -oh. for the architectural firm for them to use it in their marketing brochure, right. then yes, that's architecture photography. And the analogy I draw is with the music photography that I do, I can shoot the exact same show and take it one photo from that show. And if I'm licensing that photo to the venue, that's a marketing shot. I can go in and remove microphones yeah, and I can go true. in and remove lights. If I'm licensing it to the band, I can put a weird filter on it because that may be what they want or do Photoshop to death on it. That may be what they want on an album cover. But if I'm putting that same shot in a journalistic endeavor, I can color correct it, dodge and burn and crop. Yeah. And that's it. So it all depends on, on the end use and that's kind of, in my opinion, where you've got a you've got a blanket of knowledge about photography because of all the things you do. You're a, you're an educator. I tell people all the time. I actually think that's what you were born to do. Having seen you speak at Photoshop World, you're a brilliant educator. Um, Thank you, businessman. A rather prolific author with like 947 million books. Speaker, musician. We hung out at NAM last year. It was the last time that yeah. we saw each other. Uh, editor and publisher of Photoshop User Magazine, and you do the, well, at least when the world wasn't ending, the Scott Kelby Worldwide Photo Walk, which is the largest social photo walk event or photography event. So I want to touch really quick before we get into this photo on Kelby One, because Kelby One training, kelbyone.com, to me, no insult meant to the other great education platforms that I love. And there are some, don't misunderstand me, right? There's a, there's a breadth, there's, there's more than one really great college out there, people. But Kelby One is the gold standard for online training. And part of that is the, the schedule that you do your classes. I mean, you're constantly having new material. You're not resting on the, the, the archival classes that you have and your production quality. Are you still doing a class every week? A new class every week? I hate to say this, Steve, but yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we do one every single week. Uh, and we have, uh, we've been very fortunate. You know, we, we've got a lot of people that we work with that have, they, they understood the limits of the pandemic and what we needed to do. Uh, and, We've uh, flown crews or, and have had crews drive, and we have to have, literally, we've had to have a COVID coordinator on the set there to make sure that everyone maintains social distancing, everyone right. has masks on. I mean, it's, it's, we've had to jump through a lot of hoops, but yeah, Steve, we release a class every single week. Uh, of course, we do some ourselves, like we have our own studios and we do them. We uh, have instructors where we go on location to them. In some cases, they come to us. But if if they come to us and we do it in our studios, you know, we we've just gotten used to the you stand way over there. We'll yell to you. <laughs> right, right, right. And, yeah, uh, I mean, we've just we, it's we not do as it hard right. as a lot of people have figured it was in the early days. As as we figured out what works and what doesn't. To me, the, I mean, these two probably aren't related in in 
in a direct sense, but they are in the sense of this next thing I want to bring up is is kind of a window, like we say, a lot of things we do are windows into other things that we do. Your guest blog Wednesday. So Scott has this amazing blog. We talked about the the food post that he did, but he also just did one the day that we're recording this on an air show that he just shot in a review of the Canon R6 and the Tamron 150 to 600. Yep. But you also do your guest blog Wednesdays. And and I have to say, as a as a photographer that feels like I'm constantly learning and feeling imposter syndrome and feeling like I don't belong in the group of people that I talk to, reading Guest Blog Wednesdays is a joy to me. And I think it's one of the most unsung resources for photographers out there. A lot of them are from Dave Williams or Brad Moore. Uh, I, I've done two guest blog posts there. One of them was back in 2017 on five common threads I've seen through doing this podcast. And then right before the pandemic, January 1st of last year, I had one on the joy of music photography where I talk about music photography. Um, I, I'm curious what the, what the idea was of saying, I've got this blog, let's just let other people write on it. I would love to take credit for this, Steve, but it was not my idea. Of course. So yeah. I, many years ago, I want to say it was like 15 years ago or more. I was uh, speaking uh, at a conference and I was talking to uh, Vincent Versace, who was another one of the speakers at the conference sitting with me. We're just talking and he's like, how's things are going? I'm like, dude, this, this blog is killing me. It's killing me. It's just having to come up with content five days a week is just, it's, it's just so hard. And so uh, I, I, cause I had a full-time job and everything else, you know, I'm trying to right, keep right, this right. company going and all this stuff. So, and I said, I think I'm the, I'm going to stop blogging on Wednesdays. So I'm going to blog Mondays and Tuesdays, and then I'm going to blog Thursdays and Fridays. And Vincent says, dude, you should make that, that uh, Wednesday available, you know, to, to, some, to, to another photographer, just give them the blog for the day, let them write it. I'm like, dude, I don't know. That's going to take a lot of work. And he's like, I'll start it. Let me start it. I'll be the first one. Wow. And he did. He wrote the first one. And from that point on, uh, uh, other people were, you know, now Brad Moore runs that program for me. So Brad, uh, for many years, was my full time uh, assistant and he took it over while he was assisting me and uh, he runs it. So basically now I'll send Brad. Hey, can we have this person? Can we add that person? But Brad does a brilliant job of seeking out people. And what I think Brad does that's that's very cool is he finds like up and coming people and kind of gives them a an audience. And I think, you know, that's so I I don't want to really take much credit for it. Vincent Versace gets credit for the idea. Brad Moore gets credit for running a great, great program. And let me tell you what, it's a lot of work, Steve, when Brad ex- describes what he, he goes through, because it was originally me doing it. And the, the problem is you'll you get somebody to go, oh yeah, I'm, I'll do it next Thursday. Okay. Okay. I need X amount of images. And then you got to resize them and then you got to track them down to get it. And then there's an image that's missing. And then there's one image that's blurry. Yep. And it's just, oh, Steve, it's, it's a lot, a lot of work. And Brad does it like I mean, I don't have to tell you that because you've had to track me down. (laughs) Well, and it's funny because as you're saying this, and most people that watch this don't know, but as you're saying this, mine's not just get a guest on a show and go, hey, we're going to talk about this story, right? I have to get pictures for the blog. And most of my work is just trying to get ready to record. It's it's shocking. Well, I I have to say, and I'm going to do a shout out to Brad too. 
and I don't know if he listens anymore, but Brad's been on the show and Brad's a friend of mine and one of the nicest human beings on the planet, but also love Brad. You don't see a lot of his photo work anymore, but Brad is a brilliant photographer in and of his own right. So yeah, he is. With that in mind, a couple of things here really quick. And I just want to remind everybody that, yes, if you want to see the show notes for this show, uh, the photos, a little blurb that I wrote about Scott, you can go to BehindTheShot.tv. All the info is there. A small gallery of his work, like the images we just talked about that I had to get. And it links to everything that Scott Kelby is up at the blog post. So today we're going to chat about, as we get into this shot, I want to chat about one of the reasons that I think... Scott Kelby is so successful at so many genres. And I touched on this earlier, but I'm going to expound on it. Because again, I don't think that's easy. I mean, there are people who do it, like Rick Salmon, again, is a good example. We're going to touch on the travel photography thing, too, because the photo we're talking about is travel photography. But the reason I think you are so good at so many genres and at education is composition. I, I'm a firm believer that Composition is the window with which our viewers see our art. When somebody looks at a picture and it's on a white wall, the white wall is the window frame. And that picture is what they're seeing. And, you know, there's those times where you walk up to a picture and you feel like you want to try and see around behind the edge and go, what is going on over there? And I think that, my friend, is, is one of your amazing strengths. When you were on in 2018, I made the comment that your choice of image crops composition, compositionally are amazing. It seems like either you're always at the right angle at the right time, or you instinctively know what to include and what not to include in a, in a shot. I, I guess a good way to word it would be you have an amazing photographic sense of space. I'd argue one of the best that I've seen, this photo, this sense of space in two dimension. So this is going to be a really overly generic question, but I want to know if, if you can answer. I don't know that it has an answer. What's the key ingredient to good composition? Overly generic, I know, but. Yeah. You know what it is? If there's, if I have a skill... I'm not sure that it's actually composition. I think I I think if you said Scott, what is your photographic secret weapon? It is I'm able to look at a bunch of pictures that I took and pick the right one. Oh, and I good can't point. I can't I can't explain it, but I'm just like looking like no 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 that's it that's the one. So, so you're saying you your, only your secret strength the one. is culling. Yeah, I think it's, it, it sounds like a crazy thing, but there is an art to picking the right photo. And so often I'll be with a photographer and they'll show me a shot and they'll show me like a bunch of shots. And I'm stunned at how many times they pick what I think is the obvious wrong shot. Like, dude, Wait. you've got way better shots than this. But OK, but isn't that isn't that subjective though? I mean, cause this happens to me, right? Like I'll enter an image in an image competition and somebody will look at me afterwards and go, you should have picked that one. I told you. Yeah. And I'm like, but that's a, the one that spoke to me. I know, but it's, I think it's a skill. I do think, I think it's, I think that being able to pick the right photo, it's a skill. I think it, now I, I'm not saying that I, I earned this skill. <laughs> 
I'm not saying, well, if you follow these steps, I, it's just the thing where honestly, Steve, they just jump out at me. It's like, like people I look who at catch the photo. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. Like I'm looking through a lot of photos that look very similar. Right. So I'm at an air show. I'm shooting for three days as one of the official photographers. Do you know how many flipping shots I have with a blue angel, Steve? I have thousands. Right. And, and you're looking through these shots and I'll be going scrolling through and I'm looking through and it's like that one. And I that can't quick, even it tell, just jumps. I, I can't even tell you what it is. I can't say, well, the reason why is because there's a lot of negative space on the right and da, 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 da. I, I could tell you after the fact, like if you said, what is compositionally right about this? I could break that down for you, but I can't tell you that in my mind, I was thinking all of that. And, and I do think, you know, Steve, I've sat in the audience and listened to other great educators and I'm sitting there and I'm going, no way, no way was he thinking all of that when he took the <laughs> shot, when he took the shot later, he's like, Oh, well, that looks good. And oh, yeah, right. the light's great and all. But when they describe it, I'm sitting out in the audience and going, come on. You know, I, I, I've been around the block, you know. So I, I don't want to make it sound like it's more of a, you know, an artistic thing than it is. Zen. I just look at this shot and I go, boom, that's it. Now, I can fill in a backstory about why I like it later. But that's not what hits me as I'm looking through, you know. You just and described so, Zen and the art of photography. Is basically what that's, it is, which that, which takes which which ties into everything you just described. Actually, ties into the grid, because I mean you do a lot of things on the grid. By the way, folks, if you've never seen the grid, go check out the grid. Scott's uh, I'm going to call it a podcast, but it's it's, it's video as well yeah. uh, that he does with Eric Kuna, who's also been on the show before. Amazing photographer. I've never met Eric in person, but amazing uh, amazing photographer. Oh, super nice guy. You love him. Um, Everybody I saw loves him. Eric. I saw him at Photoshop World, the last Photoshop World, but I was afraid to say anything to him. So oh, anyway, you will love him. When you do the grid, you periodically do blind photo critiques. Now I do a critique mm -hmm. show on this show with my buddy yep. Don Komarechka. I think you know Don. I know Don. Yeah. And Don and I, it's Don and I, and we get a third person to come on and we critique nine images. But we do it different than you. We we critique just nine images. What you guys do is different. Like you'll get multiple photos sometimes from one photographer. And yeah. the number of times I've heard you say, are these really shot by the same person? Because they don't, they're not, that type of thing. And there's two, there's two quotes that when I judge image competitions and stuff that, that I love from you, I'm going to butcher them. So let's call them semi quotes okay. that I love from you that are so true. I mean, the first time I heard you say this one, I went, Yes. Flowers are already beautiful. So if you photograph one, it had better be amazing. It better right? be awesome. Don't stick a flower in front of me and say it's beautiful. And then me look at it and go, well, in 3D it was, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Ex explain that line for people who have not heard you say it. Well, you know, it's a lot of times we can shoot something that is already so gorgeous that it doesn't take an amazing photographer Right. So if you shoot something like a flower that is just so beautiful, you almost have to try to mess it up. It's a right. gorgeous. It, it's like if you were to hire a male model and it's like it looks like George Clooney. How, how are you going to take a bad shot of him? You know, it's like, how are you going to, you know, or, or if you were to hire me as a male model, how are you going to take a bad? Yeah. You know, but you know exactly. what I'm saying? Or a hand like, model. They're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are certain things that are so pretty 
that you could you could actually train a chimpanzee to walk up and press the button and take right. the shot and it would be like wow that chimpanzee's gifted no you're shooting something that's already beautiful so when someone takes a bad flower shot or a bad shot of george clooney you're like come on this is a no brain was set up for you you know i mean right. you know like it's you yours know, to remember, lose there's a funny thing that jay mazel a uh, great story about from jay so uh and if you're not familiar with jay jay is a living legend of photography very very famous celebrated he's one of those guys that that when he when he does finally pass away he'll be talked to uh, talked about in the level of cartier brasson and you know people like that so he is that 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 guy and jay was tells a great story of how he's looking at someone's portfolio and he's doing a review and it the person has these shots of the antelope canyon slots well Jay says to them, oh, come on, you know, when, when does anybody ever taken a bad shot of these slots? You can't take a bad shot. It's just a, have you ever been there, Steve? You ever been I have not. I wanted to, and they're, they closed them a a year or so ago or two years ago. Yeah. Right. But, but if you go in there, Steve, it's a can't miss situation. It's this amazing earth and colors and light. And you could just literally take out your iPhone and get a killer shot. Well, Calibra could not me, but okay. So Jay's Jay's looking through and he says, yeah, you can't take a bad shot. And he turns the page and he goes, whoops, I stand corrected. (laughs) Okay, so let's go there then, because uh, one of the other quotes, the second quote was related to that. If you want to make beautiful photographs, go to beautiful places. And it's kind of the key to today's image that we're going to talk about. Don't expect an average pretty scene to become an iconic iconic landscape picture and don't expect to shoot an iconic scene in bad noon light and have it still look beautiful. Go back when there's good light. So I guess the question is then what makes a beautiful scene? What makes a beautiful place? All right. Well, first I have to give credit to who said that quote. So I was a guest instructor at another seminar or workshop and Joe McNally was the speaker and he was telling the story of, uh, I think, I think it was an editor at life magazine. I'm not hundred percent. I'm going to paraphrase here, but uh, the, the guy said to Joe, look, if you want to take more interesting pictures, stand in front of more interesting things. So when I say that, I'm, you know, it's I want to make sure that Joe gets the credit. Such a great line, though. It is. And it's so it's so important. And so like when people will send in these images to the grid and, and it looks like they're shooting in their backyard or, you know, they went to the old bridge in their own town and shot it. It's an ugly bridge. I'm like, what did you expect was going to happen? I remember this guy sent in an image for critique and I looked it up, Steve, and I'm not joking. It is the lighthouse in America that was selected as America's ugliest lighthouse. Wow. It is just the ugliest thing. It, it just looks like a rusted old water tower. America is full of beautiful lighthouses. This wasn't this awful. And I'm, and I was like, what, what magical thing were you going to do to make this lighthouse shot in ugly light in the middle of the day? It's the ugliest lighthouse literally in the United States. It's in Florida, which is not surprising, but, and, but now that being said, there are some lighthouses in Maine that if you went out there any day at five o'clock, it would be, you, it's a can't miss. 
the lighthouse is so beautiful. And so you have a choice, Steve. Do you want to stand in front of a beautiful light, lighthouse where it does not take a genius of photography? Or do you want to say, I'm going to go find the ugliest lighthouse, the most unattractive person, the worst looking piece of food to photograph. Right. I mean, if you want, if, if I'm served a beautiful plate of food, like it's a big plate with a little bit of food on it and the beautiful garnish and, you know, a drizzle around it in, in beautiful light, how good of a photographer do you have to be to get a good food shot? But right. if somebody right. goes to McDonald's, gets a cheeseburger, drops it on a plate, it's like, but but the bigger picture of all this, and this is what I think that you're alluding to, is we have a choice as photographers of what we're going to shoot. If you've been shooting portraits of someone and you're like, I'm just not good at shooting people. It might not be because you're not good at photographing people. It might be because your cousin who you've been photographing is ugly. <laughs> but we all know, but we right. all know, Steve, we all know people that for whatever reason have a facial structure to where they cannot, you cannot get a bad picture of them. Like oh, yeah. my niece, Sarah, my niece, Sarah is like that. You cannot take a bad picture of her. She just, I don't know what it is about her facial structure. You can just take your phone and go, Sarah, look over here. Click. It looks fantastic. I, she's in my latest book. I'm like, Hey, can you let me take a few shots? I want to look like a really good photographer. So, um, but there are people there are places there, and 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 if you stand in front of someone who's incredibly photogenic, people are going to think you're an awesome photographer. Right? It's not you, it's them. But you're smart enough to stand in front of a person, a place, or a thing, food that is very, very photogenic, and that's what you show. Well, how many, um, how many working wedding photographers have shot weddings, turned them into, say that. turned them into a client, and. You know, in the competition world, they call it green merits. The people paid for those pictures, loved those pictures, were amazing. Those pictures will never see the light of day in a portfolio or an image competition Ooh. because they're just not that level. But then you get Barbie and Ken and... And they look phenomenal. And they look great. And it's like, excuse me, do you mind if I use these on my website type thing? Yeah. So Somebody sent me a note about that, Steve. I had a, a, a viewer send me a note and said, and they sent me the link to the photographer. And they said, you know, this, this is unfair this photographer only shoots beautiful brides and handsome right. grooms. And I'm like, no, that nope. he takes any job he can get. He only posts photos of right. great looking grooms. I mean, and I went to the site I and mean, every guy's like, I mean, they all look phenomenal. All the brides were beautiful. All the, I know good photographer. He was a really good photographer, but he's being selective about what he shows. He's showing his best work and it's it's not because there are his best photographs but his subjects look so good right. and then when people look at their site they go yeah i want mine to look like that guess what <laughs> they may not <laughs> I, I had somebody in a workshop i just finished the, the week before we're recording this and, and one of the questions they asked was are you going to get into you know what how to pick images for a portfolio and the answer was really that's beyond the scope of this workshop but i gave the short answer which is only show the work that shows you in a way you want to be seen. And then people will think you're the work of the worst shot out of that selection pool. So if you pick 20 shots, only show the 20 shots that show yeah. you the way you want people to see you. And then whatever the worst shot in those 20 are, 
that's the one that they're going to choose to see you by. That's the end yeah. result. So, you know, we we talk about that a lot on the grid because of, you know, the blind critiques. And uh, we also do a thing called website critiques. In fact, we did it last week with right. our host, Hilmar Smith, guest Hilmar Love Smith. And, and I know, right? Everybody loves Hilmar. Yeah. So um, we ask photographers to send us their website. And one of the most common things that we do, we're just, we're not looking at their, are their images are good or bad. But very often you'll have somebody that has 60 or 70 images, you know, up there. And we're like, so if, if you had to pick your best 20 out of there, all right. And, and could you do that? And they're like, well, yeah. All right. What are your next 20? Your, your second best images. Why would you show people your second best images? That's right. And then the next 20, those are your, your third, third best? best, like, like these aren't that good, but I'm just going to put them up there anyway. And so we, we're, we're constantly encouraging people, you know, to, to, if you have a category, let's just say it's wedding or portrait or whatever, less is more. Yeah. Pick, pick like a 15, clarity, slider. like a clarity. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Less is pick, more. <laughs> yep. Pick 15 or 20 of your, if you go, if you can't, you know, stop, go, go to 20 pick 15 or 20 of your best images and stop because yeah. after those 20, now you're starting to get your second best and your third best. And what happens is people look at your first ones and they love you. And then they love you less and they love you less and you're not that good by the end. And so it's, it's, it's a very uh, typical thing. And, 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 you know, when you talk to photographers, Steve, and you ask them, why do you put so many photos? Do you know what the number one answer is? I could are afraid. No, they're afraid that someone would see it. Like they would go, well, I want, I want to make sure that the photographer that I choose can shoot black and white. I want to make oh. sure they can shoot underwater. I want to make sure they can shoot a drone shot. I want, and they go, I don't want to lose the shot because the photographer couldn't get it. And I say, look, if you want an underwater photographer, you're going to go find a, a photographer whose entire portfolio, all 20 pictures are underwater shots. Yep. They're not going to go higher a wedding photographer who's got two shots that were underwater of a sea anemone. Yeah. Yeah. Of a sea anemone anemone wedding photographer. Yeah. They're they're, You're not going to get the gig. You're not going to, you know? And so I, 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 that's another thing we have to tell people like, don't just put up a smattering, say I'm a, I'm a sports photographer. Here's 20 sports photos. Right. Uh, Okay. So, to everybody that's listening, we normally go about 45 minutes. This show's going to go long because we're still Uh-oh. talking and I haven't brought the shot up yet because this is just, this is gold. I love this stuff. So let's get into this image. And real quick, I just want to remind you, if you want to see this image, like if you're listening to the audio version and you want to see this photo, go to behindtheshot.tv, find this particular episode, scroll down to the bottom. I've got a gallery of Scott's work, including this image, all the links we talk about in every way you can find Scott Kelby, Kelby One, the, the photo, any his books, all of that type stuff. Those are all on the website. So make sure that you go there, which brings us to our picture today. And the picture, I'm calling it the trolley in Portugal, because based on the sign, this is clearly Portugal. And really quick, before, before I get too deep into this, Scott, let me just tell you, I'm going to go through, I do this on every show now, and I'm going to go through and try and describe this shot verbally for people that are listening on audio. And I'm going to start with this. This is good light. So if you're going out and you're trying to shoot an overhead noon light and you don't understand 
why your trees and landscapes and mountains don't look great, why your buildings don't look great, it's because you're not using the softbox of the sky properly, right? This is beautiful, beautiful light. So here's what's happening. This is a street. I'm at the top, I won't say the top, but I'm, I'm on the high end of the street from the camera angle looking down the street. I'm standing on the left side from my point of view of the scene. It's a cobblestone street, but, and, and again, it's going downhill and it looks to be kind of steep and there are trolley tracks on both sides of the street. And on the left-hand side, old rich tan buildings. On the right-hand side, old rich tan buildings. They have classic light fixtures on them. Like, this is old, again, cobblestone type neighborhood. One building on the left is a different color. So they're all like this kind of tan old look. And then there's one on the left that's kind of an off-white, which to me partially makes the shot in where the trolley ends up, okay? Trolley is coming up the street on my side, just about to reach the white one, but there's still a little bit of that tan building in between the trolley and the white one. So it's not crossing that line and it still leaves the trolley in its own kind of space. There's a sign on the trolley in uh, uh, Portuguese, uh, Prezeris, I'm guessing it says, that is what gave me the idea that this was in Portugal. Trolley lights are on. So this scene doesn't look that dark, but the lights are on, which tells me it was probably a little bit dark outside. And you can see the street making a perfect curve from the bottom right corner, across to the left on the rule of thirds, back out the right on the rule of thirds, but going behind a building. I mean, literally, it's perfect the way it's set up. The street curves at the third and everything lines up perfectly. Did I miss anything? That's pretty, that's a very good description of the shot. <laughs> you know, again, when I first looked at it, I just noticed this now, but the fact that that trolley has not encroached on the white building I actually think matters. If if the line between the tan and the white were going through the middle, that would be like a horizon line going through somebody's neck to me. Yeah. So this was shot, you're a Canon shooter. This was a based on EXIF data, I may be wrong. A Canon 5D Mark IV with a 70 to 200, aperture yeah. priority mode, shot at 70 millimeters, uh, ISO 800, 2.8, and this one throws me, 25th of a second, yeah. uh, auto white balance. I'm guessing you're shooting raw, so that doesn't really matter. But I, I want to yeah. touch on that 25th of a second. I mean, using the IS in this lens, clearly. What made yes. you? What would have made you choose 25th of a second for a scene like this when I'm thinking you could have gone, you know, 120th of a second? Well, I didn't choose the shutter speed. The shutter speed was well, chosen priority, for yeah, me. Okay. By aperture priority, so it was it was chosen for me. So this was actually taken at uh, just after dawn, and Steve, two minutes later, the trolley lights are off. Literally, this is the last pass. So, uh, and I'll just give you the the brief rundown of, of what happened here. So uh, I'm in Portugal, and I'm with my my friend Chiquinando. So Fernando and I are, are in there. I'm with a couple of buddies. Where I'm there's, actually, there's like about 12 or 13 of us all together that, that 
that we all get together every year in a different city and we hang out and take photos and just enjoy hanging out. It's just a, a bunch of friends. And it's so much fun. And we, we call it Team Epic, but it's just it's a bunch of buddies from all over, literally from the UK, from Ireland. Well, I guess Ireland is it's from Ireland, from the UK, from Europe, from the U- US, just from all over and from Portugal. And so anyway, so... Um, I'm shooting the day before and ready. I go to switch lenses and I drop my 70 to 200 and break it. Wow. I literally am taken out of my bag and it slips out of my hand, hits the pavement and it's, it's done. It's completely broken. So I call back to America to a friend of mine that works at Canon who arranges to get me a loaner uh, of a 70 to 200 from Canon, Portugal. So Chiki Nando is, drives me there, and we drive down this street in the middle of the day. It looks entirely different in the middle of the day for a bunch of reasons, but I will just tell you that it is uh, a very busy street. This is a this is like a main the end of a main street in Lisbon. So it is full of buses and cars and tourists and people and shops, and there's just stuff everywhere. That 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 that. I mean, it's like crazy. But as I'm driving down the street, I, I tell him, hey, do you know where this street is? Can we get back to this street? And he's like, this is this is going to be right around the corner from your hotel. You could walk it. I said, good. Well, I need you to remember this place because I want to come back tomorrow morning at dawn and shoot it. So, Steve, why do why do why did I choose this? I believe it or not. It wasn't because of all the the composition and stuff. There is something very particular that I look for. When I am doing travel photography, it's a very specific thing and it is an overarching guiding thing that I do in all of my travel photography. I am looking for some place that I can photograph that looks timeless. So what I'm looking for is I don't want to see signs. I don't want to see modern anything. I want it to be now. You will notice on the trolley, there is a small Coca-Cola logo. The re- now, I could have just cloned that out. It could have been gone in two seconds. But if you look, and this is this, I've researched this. The Coca-Cola logo has been here since prehistoric times. They have cave drawings of the word Coca-Cola in red, just like that. Pantone red. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it says under usually PMS 487. But anyway, but I decided to leave that there because this could have been taken 50 years ago and there still would be a Coca-Cola logo there. So I left so, it there. I, okay, but then that begs the question. If you're, first of all, the, the idea of timeless, and you're saying it wasn't the compositional stuff, it's the timeless, but in my opinion, those two aren't mutually exclusive, right? So you're going into That's this true. scene and it's timeless. And what do what do timeless travel scenes tend to have? cobblestones, curved streets. It's only in modern times that they really started getting super linear. Um, You've got the old light fixtures. You've got those types of walls. You've got these types of... So in a a way, it ties into it, but... even I did like the curve. The curve was cool. I mean, that was like... That was one of the big... Because there's a lot of old streets in Lisbon, right? Right. But I did like the curve. But you got to realize, it was so crowded in the middle of the day, Steve that I had time to sit there. I'm looking out the window. It wasn't like we went by it. Like we're in bumper to bumper traffic. So I'm looking out and I'm thinking, yeah, this looks pretty good. There's not a whole lot of stuff here. What if I shot it from the bottom of the street? What if I shot it from the top? You know, I'm thinking I got to get here and just try it. So the next morning was actually the morning of my worldwide photo walk 
So this is uh, taken probably the first weekend in October, which is generally when my photo walk is. Uh, so I, I, I literally did. I got up the first thing in the morning and it was maybe six or seven blocks from our hotel. It was not very far at all. Uh, and, and I came here and the, the, I, I ran into a couple of issues. Number one is you have to wait till a trolley car gets there. Right. So I knew I wanted the trolley. Well, part of it is these, these trolleys are kind of a, a very iconic, like in San Francisco, it's cable cars. And in Lisbon, it's a very Lisbon-y thing to have a cable car in there. Like they don't really need cable cars in Lisbon. It's now it's a tourist attraction. But so I wanted to get the cable car. Well, we get there in the perfect time and it's really dark and all the lights are on and everything. But there's no cable cars. Like you're waiting, you're like, well, there's one. And you could, if you turn this corner, Steve, and go right around the corner, it is a straight shot for miles. And it goes, and then it goes up the hill. It goes up to this big top of, of Lisbon. And so you can see the trolleys come and you're like, ah, oh, it's going to be three or four more minutes. My biggest problem with this was I took some friends with me. So when I said, I'm going to go shoot this place, everyone's like, you're going to go shoot a place. We want to go. Well, Getting them out of the scene, getting my right. friends like, hey, this is my shoot. I need you to get out of the scene. Dude, I couldn't. I was going to kill my. I'm like, get out of the shot. I can't. The first Charlie came by and like I have five friends in the scene. And I'm like, guys, come on. I found this. I woke up here to get it. Please don't ruin my scene because everybody wants to take the shot, you know. But but here's the thing that is. So, you know, Steve, that first I'm, I'm looking for something timeless. And this is, believe it or not, it's so hard to find anymore because there's so many modern things, you right. know, you've got telephone booths, one telephone booth, it's, it's trash, right? It's like, so, uh, when we actually get there and start shooting and this comes together, here's what you don't see in this shot. There are two things that are missing in this shot. Now, this was at one point on my Instagram, my most liked photo. So it's been seen hundreds of thousands of times and there's thousands of likes. And there are two things that are very big that are missing here. One of them is graffiti. Oh, there was a reasonable amount of graffiti and I felt like I had to get rid of it because the graffiti was time stamping the photo, right? It right. was saying this is taken in modern times while I'm, I'm shooting this that morning. And I was so thrilled because everything came together. The light was right. And there's no other cars there because sometimes Steve, even in the morning, here comes a trolley and then here comes a police car, right? Or here comes a bus. And you're like, no, you know, so, uh, so I, I'm thrilled and I'm happy. And all my buddies are standing behind me. We're all taking the same shot. Everyone's like kind of there. Um, but when I opened the photo, this is what it looked like to me, what you see right here, because, what and this is a psychological thing that is an awesome psychological thing when i was photographing it what i didn't see and didn't appear to me at all and is not in this photo now i removed every single wire oh. it's a cable car it's running off electric wires steve when i opened that shot when i got back to my hotel room after the photo walk if i had to sell the photo it would be called wires there were cables running everywhere and i just sat there with the healing brush and i took everyone out now i had a duplicate of the file it's a raw file and i figured if i remove them all and it looks stupid well i'll just go back to the original 
But removing the wires is what gave it that timelessness with all the wires. Now, Steve, so this is the interesting thing like psychologically, it's, and it's a great thing about us. We, our minds are wired to ignore unpleasant things. If I were to tell you or ask you, Steve, Steve, if you drive from your office to your house, how many telephone poles do you see? How many wires are running across the street? You'd be like, I don't know. I guess there's a couple. I go, look on the way home. All of a sudden, Steve, you're just like, now you're aware of them. And I did this test. There is a very small little church up in Maine. And uh, it is, it was, it's such a beautiful little tiny church that Taylor Swift used it in one of her videos. It's just that I, if you said I need a church to use in a video to be the small town church, it's this one. I went there and I took pictures of the church just because I'm on vacation. We go up there every year with my family. I go back to my room. I open it up. I, I, I'm stunned. I'm looking at I'm like, telephone poles, electric wires everywhere. Oh, so wow. here's what I did. I made a layer and I went and removed every wire. And then I would ask people, I would show people that, that are familiar with this church and all, what's missing in this photo? And Steve, they'd go. You took out a window. The oh pastor my. was on the front. They would guess all these things, and I'd go, no. I'd go, watch. And I would show them the other picture, and they'd be like, "That there's no way. I've driven by that church. No way. Those wires are not. You put those there. Nope. That That is wow. our mind focusing on the beautiful. This is a great thing. This is a great thing the way our minds are wired. And, Steve, this, this holds true with people. And you know this because you're a people photographer, right? You shoot concerts and stuff. When you're standing there talking in front of somebody, they are not a flat, intimate, inanimate object. They have movement. They have a smell. They put off a vibe. You know how you meet people that you you put off, a, they put off a vibe of happiness and joy, and you have people that you put off a vibe and you're like, uh-oh, you know, exactly. without even saying anything, right? So there's all these features, and, and we're in complete 3D. When you take a picture of someone and you flatten it down, Not only do you see the imperfections on a person's face, they're magnified. Right. All of a sudden, these things that you would never notice in person, all of a sudden, that's all you see. And so uh, it's, it's very much the same thing. It's why we retouch people. We retouch people to make them look as good in a photograph as they did when we were standing in front of them. And part of that is freezing the moment. I mean, I always tell people, go yeah. go sit down in front of CNN or whatever and try and hit pause and try and get that anchor to pause in a way that they're, you'll never do it. It's about impossible. That's all like a this. photograph is. A photograph is a moving object that you are trying, and I don't care if it's somebody posing in a studio, there is movement, you know, models move, uh, Try and freeze them at the right moment. It's not easy. And that's what post-production is for, is to try and make that the the you know the best look that they could have had. But you know, that again, I'm curious when you're when you're here, when you're standing here with your friends behind you and in front of you, right? <laughs> uh, are you even though that's not what brought you here? You're looking through this lens, you're seeing those lines and compositional curves. You know, are and I guess a better way to word it is: Are you aware of the crop, this crop, 
when you're snapping the shot? Yes, I, I am trying to. I'm trying to create a more dynamic photo all the time, generally by not putting the subject in the middle of the frame. I mean, if you look at this, you could almost use it as a rule of thirds kind of example photo, oh, it's right? Perfect. Right. So it's in the, you know, kind of left bottom corner, right where the lines would converge. So that's kind of the, the, that's the basic structure. But Steve, I shot so many shots of this in the half an hour that we were there or 40 minutes. I probably have a hundred shots of this trolley and it's in all different places and I'm trying different things. I'm trying to put it to the left. I'm shooting tall. I'm putting it to the right. And so one of the things I have learned about composition is, there is a particular spot where for whatever reason, everything just comes together. And I don't know where that spot is. <laughs> there's not like you get there and they're like, there's a big X on the floor. Photographer stand here. You right. know, you have to shoot up high, shoot down low, shoot to the left, shoot to the right. I, I call it working the scene. Well, you know, you're standing in front of something great. I have to shoot it from a bunch of angles so that I find that when it, sometimes you find it while you're shooting, all of a sudden you realize, Oh, this is the shot. But sometimes you don't realize until you get back until later you go, Oh, thank goodness. I shot this one. So I can't tell you that when I was shooting this, that I knew this was the one I definitely knew it. As soon as I opened it up, like I know, okay. Of the ones of the 200 shots I have of this trolley, boom, this is the one. And then I set out to remove all that stuff, but, to but make part it of the end result, Part of the end result that you get is related to, again, it's your sense of space. I think you have a natural sense of space. You know, the building on the right where it ends at the curb of the street is a rule of third. Where the white building, I'm calling it white, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Touches the other building, rule of thirds. You have the sense of space. And part of that is knowing what to leave in and what to leave out. So you didn't crop. I love this you didn't crop any of the windows in half. So your crop here leaves wall next to windows. And it bothers me when I see people take street signs, cut them in half, people cut them in half and leave them in the shot or windows and cut in half. But it's not only that they cut the window in half, but they cut it at the wrong place if you had to, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think you have this um, natural sense of comfort, I guess is the word I'm looking for that, that, like you say, when you look through, you just know, I think there's, I, I think most people have when they, when they see a shot as a viewer or a photographer, there is a composition and it can be micro changes. That's comfortable to the eye. Yeah. So if somebody walks into a scene, not necessarily this scene, but any scene, what is that tip that you would give for shooting better travel photography or for that matter for improving composition well I, I i my my background so i was a photographer first i was a film photographer way way back in the day i got out of photography altogether and it didn't start again until digital came but for many years when my wife and i were first married and all i was a full-time graphic designer that was my job we came in every day. We had a graphic design studio. We designed advertising. Basically, we were, and it was, in fact, it was called uh, uh, Kelby Creative Services. Uh, but our original name was Typeworks Advertising Design. And that's what I designed brochures, annual reports, mailers, everything, uh, letterhead, business cards, envelopes, all that stuff, all kinds of packages like that. And, and that was our job. I, I think that having an idea of how things relate to each other 
is is a huge advantage for a photographer. Uh, I, I if I had to tell somebody something, I'm obviously, uh, and, and you know what, Steve, I, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about this uh, next week on my show. But I just looked at the Sony uh, Worldwide Photography Awards, and you don't have to be a Sony shooter to enter those. I don't know if you know that. It's it's crazy, but the number one and number two most awarded of all of the Sony things were Canon. <laughs> Oh. In fact, in fact, third, I think, was DJI. And then you had to go to fourth or fifth to get to a Nikon or Sony. It was, wow. it was almost all Canon. But, uh, I mean, the bars are like this, Canon, Canon. And then it goes down and down. And then, but um, and no dig at Sony because it's great that they do these awards. But if I went and looked at their architectural category and I called up a buddy of mine and said, go to this website and look at the architectural winners. Steve, it's all graphic design. Every winner but one, and because it showed like twelve finalists, right? It's it is a blue window on a yellow background, right? It's this. It's everything was very graphically and 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 color. All the colors were complementary, worked beautifully together. But it's shapes, and if you look at that shot that we were talking about, it has a very graphical feel. But if I had to tell you, it's very hard to understand like spatial relationships. And, and I, I can't say that that I, I even understand it well myself. But if I was going to tell somebody how to make a better travel shot, you know, what I would tell them to do. And this would be my, my biggest secret to tell them. Make it simple. I went through most of my life, Steve, trying to think this shot's not good because I haven't added enough to it. I have to have more going on. It's not interesting enough. So somebody pointed, somebody pointed out to me, it's not what you add in the photo. It's what you take away. You don't have to show distracting stuff. You don't have to, you need to frame the photo to make it as simple as possible so that what the subject is in this case, the uh, cable or streetcar, it, it stands out. You know exactly what the photo is about. It's about the cable car. Yes, the background are these beautiful buildings and the colors are nice. And I got up early to get the good light. Uh, but the other reason, by the way, I got up early is not just for the good light. I wanted empty streets. One Mercedes Benz ruins the shot. And Steve, I actually have shots from, I went past that street later in the day and I took pictures and there's, there is a cable car and right behind it's a Volvo. And then there's a BMW and then it's just, it's trash. The lights trash, the, 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 the romance and the timelessness is gone. And timelessness, so, yeah. Yeah. So what I would tell somebody if said, look, if you want to make better pictures, simplify them. Simplify the background, simplify everything you can. Don't be looking, what can I add to this photo? If you can get the photo down and you look at those Sony awards, Steve, and you're going to go, I cannot believe how simple these award-winning photos are. And, and I would encourage everybody, uh, go to Sony Photographic Awards and look at their architecture category. And you're going to see, now the, the one they chose for the winner is a good shot, but it is completely different than all the rest. Like, and maybe that's why it won it. it I, in fact, I would look at it and I think it's almost more of a travel shot than architecture, but I love the architectural shots, but somebody might complain and go, Oh, like my buddy was like, I could take shots like this. I'm like, well, why, why didn't you, <laughs> why yeah. didn't you well, turn in shots like that? And, and the graphic so design, 
tie-in is so huge because think about what in our lives are influenced by layout, right? By, by graphical design layout. I, uh, as we close up here, I want to ask you something because you seem to know everybody. And inevitably, we all know that one photographer out there who I can't believe more people don't know about this person. If there were, a, and, I, and there's probably 10, but if you were to pick one, if there were one photographer that it's like, if you don't know about this person, you need to go look this person up. Who would it be? Dan Steinhardt. Okay. Do you know Dan Steinhardt? I do not, but I'm going to go look him up. Dan Steinhardt is the most underrated street photographer in America. Hands Ooh. down. Let me tell you how good he is. Jay Mazel, when talking of Dano, that's what we, his, we, we, we call him Dano. I'm sorry. It's Dan Steinhardt, but we know him as friends as Dano. Okay. Jay Mazel, his exact words were, Dan's got it. Oh, from a legend. From a legend saying, yeah. he's got it. So Dan Steinhardt has, a, a, I think, a Jay Mazel level of color, of composition, of people, of, of he puts it all together, but nobody knows Dan. And do you know where Dan shows, gets all of his photos outside of trade shows? So he is, he works for Epson. He's an Epson, he's the Epson printer guy. Interesting. Dude, Dan shoots lights out and I see his stuff and I'm just like, why can't I do this? I mean, it's, his stuff is so simple. So is Jay's. Jay's shots don't have a bunch of junk going on. It's just a very, Dan is able to communicate color, space, whimsy, which all these different things. But, and, and, but Jay lives in Manhattan and Jay walks out his door and here is the world, right? Dano is at the Tulsa Convention Center and he's got an hour on break between his booth duty and he walks out the door and comes back with stuff that you'd sell your your kids for. It's just, I don't get it. I just don't. He's just got a gift. And I and nobody knows him because he's he's because he's Dano's the he's the printer Epson guy. He doesn't and, he doesn't like he's not trying to make a name for himself as a photographer. He's just, you know, yeah, you know, I take some shots and all. But when Jay Mazel says, Dano's got it. He's got it. You're just like, and, oh, and I mean, that's why I asked this question, because inevitably there is somebody that people really need to go. Somebody said to me the other day, I was doing uh, uh, like a happy hour thing with David Bergman and somebody was talking about it. I said, you know, here's the thing. Inevitably, everybody who's in this little happy hour Zoom meeting that we do, I go look them up on Instagram and I go look up their their portfolio and inevitably I find a gem from somebody I had no idea who it was. And, you know, I don't want to call it inspiration, call it just, I enjoy good creativity, whatever it yeah. is. So, okay. So there will be a link to Dano in the blog yeah. post as well. Great. If you want to find Scott Kelby, uh, it's scottkelby.com, right? Yep. Sure. Kelby1.com. Yeah. Uh, the grid they can find through kelby1.com. Oh uh, yeah, just search for the grid. You'll find it. It's on YouTube and Twitter and a bunch of other places. Okay. So yeah. And then you're Scott Kelby pretty much everywhere except Facebook. It's S Kelby. But again, yeah, all I these links will changed. be in the blog post. <laughs> yeah. You're not gonna you're not gonna get that one now. 
All the links will be in the blog post. It is so good to see you again, and thank you Same so much here. for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. You, you know what? I just want to say, I had no idea you are going to ask me that photographer question. Well, I had no idea, honestly, you are going to ask me any questions other than we're going to talk about the lesbian thing. But that's how, on the top of my mind, like if you said, who's the most, no, someone nobody knows, Stano. So I'm glad you really asked that. He deserves a, a, a more attention in a wire audience. So thank and it's you for part of the that. reason I don't tell people I'm going to ask it. I mean, if anybody you know, watches the show regularly, they might know. But, but I don't tell people because I want it. And sometimes it's, I, I've had people go, I don't know. There's so many. I don't want to mention any. And it's okay. And we keep going. And then like five minutes later, inevitably, someone will pop in their head and they'll go, you know, Jimmy John, you got to go check out. Because everybody's got that one photographer that it's like, man, I want people to go experience what I experience when I see this art. Yeah. All right. Can I say one last thing? I know we're out of time. You can say anything you want, my friend. All right. So, you know, you're a great host. You've been doing this forever. Please. You've got a great voice. You even have a great face for video, which just really makes me angry. You have great lighting. <laughs> you have great setup for that. I, you're really good at all this. Everybody everybody knows you. You're like an icon. But here's the thing. I want us to say that because nobody ever says this. You're always interviewing other people, and you're always talking about their work. I follow you on social media, and I see your stuff, and I'm always like, he's got it. Thank He's you. He's got it. You've got it. You you are another of the most underrated kick butt photographers out there. So I although all you always are very gracious to your guests and stuff, uh, you are a kick butt. I see your stuff all the time and I'm just like, I hate this guy. Well, I like thank him, you. but at the same time, I hate him. Well, but thank you for the opportunity. It was great talking with you and catching up. Just nice seeing you again. Yeah, it is. And one day when the world stops ending, we will see each other at NAM again, or maybe I'll come down to Florida and, and buy you a beer, you and your wife a beer. But that uh, would be lovely. Again, I can't say thank you enough for doing this. And for everybody, just keep in mind, you can go to the website. It's behindtheshot.tv. I've got all the, you know, of course, find the blog post for this show. If you go find a different blog post, strangely, Scott's links won't be in it. But if you go find the link for this blog post or for this episode, magically, they appear. It's just what I do. So at the bottom of the blog post, you'll see a little blurb that I wrote about Scott. I had some fun with, and then uh, I've got all the links in there, small gallery of his work. And I will make sure to put a link to Dano in there as well. And everything kind of that we talked about. And again, I can't say it enough. If you guys want to reach out to me, you kind of know how I'm on social media. It's at Steve Brazel or at behind the shot TV, mostly Twitter and Instagram. I've kind of abandoned Facebook, but I'm there. If you want to go follow for some Un unknown reason. Uh, and other than that, don't forget the critique shows that I do with Don Komarechka. We do those early in the month. We do one a month and it's uh, Don and I, and we bring a guest on and we do nine images from our Flickr group. If you go search behind the shot on Flickr, you can find uh, that join Flickr, submit your images to the Flickr group. And then we pick images from there and we, we have some fun with it. Uh, also, if you are watching this on YouTube, head down, click, click subscribe, click the bell, choose all. And if you enjoyed this show, please make sure that you hit the like button as well. I'm Steve Brazel. This is Behind the Shot, and we will see you on the next show.